I want to thank you for joining into our Bible study this evening. And again, I'd like to encourage you to join me in James chapter 3. Have your Bible open. We're going to work our way down through these verses. We continue James' discourse on the tongue. It is incredibly helpful. And tonight, in the verses that we study, he is taking a sermonic tone. This is a sermon, I believe, that James preached, and the thoughts were penned for us to hear. I can imagine James preaching these verses with some real tenacity communicating this truth. I'll begin reading in verse 5 of James 3. We'll rehearse a little, and then we'll move forward. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Now in verse 6, he's going to give some real description. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame, it is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Now imagine James, in rapid-fire fashion, communicating these truths about the tongue. This is strong language. He is desperate for us to know the power, the potential of our tongue, and for us to, spiritually speaking, gain control of it. We're just going to work through these verses. Behold the tongue. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And then he says, and the tongue is a fire. And a fire can do a great deal of damage. Now we touched on this a little bit in our last study, and I don't want to spend long here, but I referenced something that Solomon said, and I think it bears repeating because of how he begins verse 6 with the phrase, the tongue is a fire. Proverbs 26.20, Solomon wrote, Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. In the next verse, as coals are to burning coals, and wood to fire, so is a contentious man or woman to kindle strife. We can understand that our tongue has the potential to start fires, to grow fires. Maybe that's no more obvious than it is within our marriages. The words that we speak can damage like a fire. Where there is no wood, there the fire goeth out. Where that individual isn't using their tongue to start or grow a fire, the fire eventually goes out. There was an article several years ago, and a study was contained in this article, found that for a marriage to survive, husbands and wives needed to learn to keep their negativity under control. And in order to do that, they had to use words to keep conflict manageable. Here was the conclusion. 
If you don't use words that keep conflict manageable and you don't keep your negativity under control, the hostility will escalate to the point that the physiological condition of the body will make it impossible to process any new information. Controlling the negativity by controlling the words that we speak keeps conflict manageable, or on the flip side, we apply what Proverbs 26 tells us, we're throwing coals on the fire. We're starting and we're growing fires. Solomon said this in Proverbs 15.1, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. There is nothing more destructive than the power of our words like a wildfire ravaging acres. Our tongues have that capacity. Now, he's preaching to us and he's telling us the tongue is a fire. He then says it is a world of iniquity. All we're doing is looking at these phrases. It's a world of iniquity. Now, when he uses that phrase, world of iniquity, he uses world in the term Greek is cosmos. He's talking about not necessarily a planet as much as he is talking about the sense of the depraved, the fallen, the sinful world system. He's talking about the world's values, which are anti-God and anti-Christ under the power of darkness. Evil, really. In other words, the tongue is capable of communicating All things evil, unrighteousness, working against God. It has the power of corruption in it. One said this, it, the tongue, is as corrupt as the values of the world's system. You understand that as another penned, our tongue has two teachers. The world's system on the outside, pressing in and teaching us how to communicate, and a fallen nature on the inside, which is revealed by our words as our tongue and our words reveal the contents of our heart. It is a world of iniquity. That's what you're up against. It is a fire because it is representative of, under the dominion of, a world of iniquity. In Romans chapter 3, I find it interesting. The apostle Paul is working as a prosecuting attorney trying to prove humanity's sinfulness. He does so successfully. One of the ways that he proves the sinfulness of humanity in Romans chapter 3 is in this way, Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Get this, their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues, they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. He is saying humanity reveals its lostness by how it employs the tongue. A world of iniquity. The world system, the fallen nature, is revealed by our tongue. Now, we grasp we need tongue control, but we need heart control. And the truth is, in salvation, we have a new heart, and a new heart equals the potential, the capacity for a new tongue. It is a fire. It is a world of iniquity. It has the capacity 
to defile. We read that as well in this verse. It defileth the whole body. That's what he wrote. In other words, if it's not checked, if it's not controlled, if it's not harnessed by the Spirit of God, then our entire body follows suit and is defiled. And by the way, James isn't preaching to, nor is he writing to, unbelievers here. This requires daily effort to control the tongue. Here's the warning that he's given. If we don't surrender our tongue to the Spirit's control, defilement lies just around the corner. It defiles, has the capacity to defile the whole body, like a spot on a shirt. It ruins the entire thing. No matter how much grace we grow in, it is a spot that hinders the whole. He says it has the capacity, it defiles the whole body. And then he says this in the same verse. It is. It sets on fire the course of nature. The tongue, in effect, sets the course of our lives. It determines the direction of our lives, whether it be good or bad. James is saying the tongue sets the course of our lives, and when used for unrighteousness and evil, it sets ablaze, it sets on fire the course of our lives. If I were to simplify this and make it as practical as I possibly could, I would say you can control or change the direction of your life with how you use your tongue. If your tongue is uncontrolled, if you are looking for strife and you're heaping coals of strife on by constantly talking, keeping the subject alive, keeping it moving forward, it literally changes the course of your life. Have you stopped to consider where you could be if not for your tongue? Or where you are because of your tongue? Where your marriage is because of your tongue? Where you are in the workplace because of your tongue, where you are with your children, where you are with your parents, where you are with your friend group, because of your tongue. We are known, we earn the reputation that we have by the words that we speak. That's why our words have to be seasoned with grace. That's why the apostle says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for the use of edifying, that it may, that it may just continue to be gracious to those that hear the words. It's a direction setter. And it has the capacity to set our path on fire. Not only that, he'll continue this. And this is really strong language. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. It has the capacity to defile the whole body. It's like a spot on your shirt. It, it sets on fire the course of nature. And he says it is set on fire of hell. Every fire has to have a beginning. Every fire has a spark. Every fire has a source. And he's made it really clear here. The tongue in its natural condition is set on fire of hell. He's picturing Gehenna. He is picturing the valley of Hinnom, that roaring fire outside of Jerusalem that was constantly ablaze, burning trash. And he is saying it's as though someone brought a live coal from the flames of hell and started the fire that is 
your tongue. When the tongue is used sinfully, it is literally an instrument in the hands of Satan. It has been set on fire. It is a fire. He starts that verse with. He concludes by saying, and by the way, that fire that is your tongue was set ablaze by a live coal from the flames of hell. And that's powerful preaching. He's telling us nothing good comes from hell. It is a place of evil, and it is a place of torment, and it is a place of suffering. And when the tongue is used for unrighteousness, it's sourced in the flames of hell itself. That's the kind of destructive power the tongue has. Meditate on that. Let that sink in. That's incredibly strong. One wrote this. Here's the analogy of what James means. We're carrying around a pilot light. It's a little flame. Your pilot light will never go out as long as you are alive, and it's ready to burst into flame at any moment. Just the flip of a carnal switch, and it will burst into flames, and the flames can last as long as you keep the switch on. Why? He finishes. Because James informs us that the gas line for our pilot light reaches down into hell. So be careful, he says, the gas supply is endless. You literally have within your mouth a member that has the capacity to articulate and bring about evil, torment, and suffering. Sourced in the flames of hell. Set on fire of hell. He continues on in verse 7 by telling us, We have tamed, humankind has tamed all kinds of animals. We've tamed every kind. And then in verse 8, he says, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. No one can tame. The tongue is untamable. We've tamed all kinds of animals, right? You've seen the lion tamer. You've seen killer grizzly bears do tricks in movies. We have domesticated all kinds of beasts. But the tongue, James says, no one can domesticate. And the term that he's using there simply means to subdue, to bring it under control for your purpose. No man can do it. It's a one-of-a-kind creature, one wrote. It cannot be tamed by humankind. Why is it that no man can tame the tongue? Well, he continues on. He says, it is an unruly evil. Now, we all can imagine an unruly child, a child who is living outside of the rules, unable to be ruled. It's unreliable. He is telling us the tongue is a dangerous thing. You cannot trust the tongue. He's describing it in such a way that it is depicted as looking for an opportunity to escape. Obviously, he doesn't mean looking for an opportunity to escape your mouth and run away, but looking for an opportunity to bring about flames looking for an opportunity to scorch people. It is literally depicted by one author as a caged wild animal ever pacing uneasily up and down in its den. If you don't control it, if you let it loose, what damage it can do. And you can't tame it. It cannot be domesticated. You don't have the capacity to subdue it, to bring it under your control. You need the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's an unruly evil. It is a danger. It is always looking to break forth. And remember the analogy. 
It is a pilot light that always has source. The source of it is hell itself. This is overwhelming to me as I study this to hear this language. He concludes his description, and and again, this is preaching, this is sermonic, this is passionate, this is tenacious delivery. It's a little fire, it's a fire, it's a world of iniquity. It sets on fire the course of nature. It, It has the capacity to defile the whole body. It's set on fire of hell. We've domesticated all kinds of animals, but no man can really tame the tongue because it's an unruly evil and and it's full of deadly poison. I don't think we understand the damage that we've done with our words. We have within us a built-in desire for people to just accept our shortcomings, for people to be okay with the fact that we're human after all and we fail. Sure, we've said some things and Sure, we've let loose some words. Sure, we've hurt some people's feelings. But, you know, after all, we're all human. Stop and think about what we have just unearthed in these verses. The tongue is full of deadly poison. I think we need to pause for just a second and comprehend that we probably have some people we need to square things up with. Some verbal apologies need to be given. Some forgiveness needs to be sought for the words that we have used with people. Time doesn't really erase that wound. Forgiveness can erase that, and the Lord can help us with that. But I think we need to be honest. The tongue is full of deadly poison. Literally, it has the capacity to bring about death. That's striking. It's the only time the word poison shows up in the New Testament is right here. The tongue is full of deadly poison. I am terrified of a poisonous snake. I imagine you are as well because we understand in its mouth it has the capacity to bring about death. It's full of poison. So do you. We should be deathly afraid of using those words of death, using those words that bring about suffering. Listen, it is striking how much damage a tongue can do. Think about the scripture. He's against evil speaking and slander and gossip. How freely we engage in these activities. How good it feels to our old nature to capitulate, to talk, to keep a subject alive, to run somebody down, to malign someone's reputation or testimony. How wicked, how evil this is. And we have the audacity to use this deadly poison on our children on our wives, on our husbands, on those we serve the Lord with, on those we work with, on those we should be representative of Jesus Christ to. The Bible tells us there was no guile found in his mouth. He was meek. He was lowly. He spoke words of grace. People were always amazed at the words that came out of the mouth of Jesus Christ. I think they're probably amazed sometimes at what comes out of our mouth too. We say we're believers and what comes out is nothing but wickedness and evil. You cannot trust your tongue. It's an unruly evil. Treat it like it is a dangerous, poisonous snake that could strike and hurt, kill, maim, wound anybody because that's exactly what it is. It is a fire, a world of iniquity. It defiles the whole body. 
It sets on fire the course of nature. It is set on fire of hell. We've domesticated all kinds of animals, but the tongue can no man tame. It is untamable. It is an unruly evil, pacing, always looking to get out of its cage. It is full of deadly poison. It's a pilot light. We can flip the switch at any time. The supply of evil and torment and suffering that it can produce is endless. This is overwhelming scripture. Thomas Manton, the Puritan writer, said, Although we have lost our power, God has not lost his ability. Weakness, he said, does not exempt us from duty. Though we cannot bridle it, God can. Weakness does not exempt us from duty. I need the Holy Spirit to control my tongue. All of these things that James has written are obviously true about my tongue. My tongue is a fire. My tongue is a world of iniquity. My tongue is being taught by the sin-filled world and by my fallen nature how to speak. It has the capacity to defile the whole body. No matter how much grace I grow in, my tongue can blight all of that. It has the capacity to set on fire the very path of my life, sourced in the flames of hell. It is all of those things. I'm weak in the same area you are, but weakness does not make me, does not allow me to excuse bridling my tongue because God can bridle my tongue. We have to get control of it. Our tongue has the capacity to mimic Satan. Remember that Peter says the devil is a roaring lion who walketh about seeking whom he may devour. When our tongue is devouring people, and and we're warned within Scripture, be careful that you don't bite and devour one another. When, When he's describing Satan, he says he walks like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Our tongues mimic Satan when we're doing this, when we're using it in this capacity. We have to gain control through the Spirit. And we have to be intentional about it. Jonathan Edwards wrote resolutions. I think they're an interesting read. He wrote many resolutions around the theme of the tongue, the words that he'll speak. They're worth noting. He said this, I'm resolved never to say anything at all against anybody, but when it is perfectly agreeable to the highest degree of Christian honor and of love to mankind, agreeable to the lowest humility and sense of my own faults and failings, and agreeable to the golden rule. Often, when I have said anything against anyone to bring it to and try it strictly by the test of this resolution, it's failed. I'm resolved to do that. I'm not going to speak ill of someone. That's his resolution. He said, secondly, I'm resolved in narrations, never to speak anything but the pure and simple verity. In effect, I'm resolved Even when I tell stories, when I preach, when I talk, to only tell the truth, to let my yea be yea and my nay, nay. Not to to build a story any bigger, not to take anything away, to tell the truth. I'm resolved never to speak evil of any except I have some particular good call to it. Unless I have to, I'm not going to speak evil of anyone. He said, I am resolved in the same. Let there be something of benevolence in all that I speak. Let there be some good. Let there be some benevolence in every word that I speak. Those are incredible, practical, intentional 
resolutions. I can't tame it, but God can. My weakness does not exempt me from controlling my tongue. I must daily, sometimes hourly, sometimes by minutes, moments, bring my tongue under the control of the Holy Spirit. But I also have to resolve to do some things, to gain some control. It's easy to allow my tongue to destroy my testimony, my reputation. And I know people like that. We all know people like that. It's an unfortunate thing. I'll conclude by reading what Thomas Watson, another Puritan writer, said. He said, see what a blow we have sustained by the fall. It has put out of frame the whole course of nature. Original sin, he wrote, has diffused itself as a poison into all the members of the body. It has made the eye unchaste, the hands full of bribes. Amongst the rest, it has defiled the tongue. It is a world of iniquity. That which was made to be the organ of God's praise is become a weapon of unrighteousness. Remember, he said, you and I must give an account to God as well of your speeches as your actions. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment, he wrote. Words of no account will have a heavy account. And if God will reckon men for every idle, angry word, then what will he do for overtly sinful oaths? Oh, that my words were now written, Job prayed. Truly, he said, if many people's words were written, they would be ashamed of them. And that's true. And then he says this, this is sobering. And let me tell you, your words are written. The books were opened, Revelation says, in the book of God's remembrance, all your words are written. You have need then to be careful not to offend with your tongue. God writes down every word you and I speak and we must give account of it. Can you imagine the secret conversations? The things that you've said about other people. If those were written down and read aloud, how embarrassed, how shameful, how dirty you'd feel. How much you would really have to give account for what came out of your mouth and he says, by the way, those things are being written down. And we will give it. Words of no account, he said, are of heavy account. What damage we can do with the tongue. This has to be a matter of great concern. This has to be a repeated warning within the New Testament church. Get control of your tongue by the help of the Holy Spirit and be decisive about it in practical ways. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. It is so incredible to read this message from the Holy Spirit through James to us. Help us now, Lord, to gain control of our tongue, to, to rectify, to confess where we have wounded and hurt others. I pray that we'd honor you in this way this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, 
Email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is Graceway Charlotte. Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.